So I'll start by introducing the panels. We're getting the tech set up. My name is Ken Rice. I'm uh, with the University of Denver. Um, I direct the Humanitarian Assistance Program. Uh, Courtney Welton Mitchell is my colleague in the program. Um, and Freddie's already introduced himself. Um, we met last year, we met Freddie last year at this conference where we were presenting on some of our innovative approaches to. Uh, what's called your postgraduate education for future humanitarians. And Freddie was presenting about um, an entrepreneurial training program um, that his foundation partners with UNHCR on. And we decided to work together. Um, and we created the Refugees as Co-Instructors Initiative. Um, and this, uh, we'll go through what that is, um, what uh, we tried to do, what some of the challenges were, and, and where we're going from here, what are the lessons learned. Um, so what we were thinking is that we offer a course in our program um, on refugee policy um, and we were thinking that a lot of times those types of programs are very much, you know, view the refugees kind of subjects or objects of study. Um, students aren't necessarily uh, all that aware, especially those without field experience, of what really the lived experience is of refugees. They sort of see them as this group of people um, and we thought that it would be useful to try to bring in some of the experiences of refugees and allow them to in their own voices have a real exchange with students and teach students about what the reality is and respond to um, the questions and really be an active part of the learning process for future humanitarians. So, um, so I'm the primary course instructor for this historical refugee, contemporary issues and refugee studies course that we have in the humanitarian assistance program at the University of Denver. And we were sort of thinking about, um, there's some modules and course content that I had created, but I thought, you know, I can kind of scrap and re-envision any of that. How can we really pull in the E20 members whom you'll hear more about later uh, from Napa Valley Refugee Settlement? and help you know, essentially co-create material and also use some innovative teaching methodology that the E20 members are actually familiar with, like the production of films. So we came up with a, a few different ways of going about this. One is that um, members of E20 generated films, brief films, addressing questions like, you know, what is a sort of uh, typical day for you or some of your friends and colleagues in the, in the refugee settlement? What advice would you give to future humanitarian aid workers and things of this nature? And we sort of talked about the type of questions that might uh, help to guide some of their brief educational films to or help orient the students and complement, you know, the policy articles and other things that they're reading. Um, then, uh, as part of this, the idea was sort of the co-creation of additional films uh, by the students and the members of E20 in the settlement around questions that the students pose to the members of E20 and that the members of E20 pose to the students. So instead of, they also had academic papers due, but instead of solely relying on that model, the students were then asked to create uh, material that could be shared not only with E20, but other members of the settlement, and actually did a really nice job of making sure that it was translated into local languages and whatnot. So. Um, we had also various online platforms that we'll talk a bit about in a minute. You heard about UNHCR Exchange. Also, we used Facebook, which was a preferred platform uh, for the 20 members. And we created a specific uh, Facebook closed group for the purposes of the, the class exchange. And uh, finally, then we had uh, a variety of live Skype exchanges. 
uh, between members of the class in E20, as well as in some cases, you know, Freddie was involved in a number and a UNHCR colleague as well. Uh, and that was about four times throughout the course of run a quarter system, so the 10 week quarter. Mm -hmm. um, so who are these guys? Um, they're similar to the kind of people you've been interacting with, I'm sure, and I've seen some photos, so we all have this connection with the first kind of group of people that we try and coach or collaborate with or that we try to, you know, create projects with. Uh, E20 is a project which, you know, is supposed to lead to E40, E60, E100, etc. in that specific location, Akivale Settlement in, uh, in Uganda. And it is one of the first spin-off projects of the UNHCR Exchange. So you know this platform, um, platform and you know skills-oriented and entrepreneurship-oriented project with UNHCR that I spoke of in the other presentation. And um, essentially, E20 are a group of people who've been selected for their, let's say, readiness to adopt an entrepreneurial model to become proficient in an applied skill. That's that was videography and content creation and journalism, or let's say, you know, content creation skills. And, um, but also in the other foundational skills that I spoke of, um, entrepreneurship, business skills, marketplace literacy, etc. So I went um, last year with my colleague Nosa to Nakivara and I taught them face to face and then also with a blended model because it was very early and, and you know, we wanted to check which components uh, can we also do online? What kind of relationship do we have to form to actually teach effectively and, and bring in some active change? Again, this was with uh, livelihoods intentions in mind. So, you know, income generated, social projects generated and uh, job opportunities, which is not so applied here because it's, it's very entrepreneurial. So it's self-reliance, uh, bottom-up innovation and social entrepreneurship are the key outcomes of this. and. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that was the basis for saying, well, if these people now are out there, uh, let's connect them with interesting projects. And, and luckily we met and, and were able to draft something. The exchange platform you've heard about, so uh, luckily we've spoken about that already on Recorded. Um, and for Denver we've used this too. And uh, here's just one example. I don't know, Courtney, if you wanted to speak about it. Um, well, this is just a, a, a still from one of the short films that the E20 members produced um, for that initial course content contribution. And um, this is, you know, a, a number of, of the films and the subsequent questions focused on things like livelihoods, uh, human rights and gender-based violence, um, questions around refugee resettlement and durable solutions. And so uh, this is just a still from one of those early films. Yeah, we've got a, don't worry about the commentary section, we'll have a few of those shots. We just wanted to give you an impression that there was always a dialogue around this, so not just mm -hmm. one-way communication with a media type, but also that evolves into a discussion. Both uh, on Facebook and the exchange platform, correct, there's uh, kind of the live dialogue, but yeah. also the ongoing. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we've seen, the. I'll, I'll come to the platform differences in a moment why we had several. So we've got this, uh, which is then the response from the students to questions mm -hmm. from the refugees. I don't know, Courtney, would you like to explain? So this is, uh, I thought this was a very interesting question that E20 had for the students, and this was addressing the question to one of the five student groups that was about how do you consider issues of culture and cultural adaptation and sensitivity in implementing human rights standards and frameworks? 
So, you know, a, a very compelling and, and complex question for the students to struggle with. Um, and so this is just a, this is the group of students that were in this particular group, and this is their initial question. And they've talked extensively about harm reduction frameworks and had examples around female circumcision um, and whatnot, so. And so the question had been posed by? By the E20 exactly. members, yeah. So that's, you know, that the kind of stuff that I come up with so are pretty good. Um, yeah, this all leads to a, you know, community of collaboration and practice on the exchange platform. You know, the point is that, that it's, uh, we acknowledge what different platforms, what their advantages are. It's not just about saying this is the platform. It's about saying what's effective in a particular scenario. It's like an institutional memory between the different uh, collaborators. You've seen this in other platforms too. Uh, this is, uh, for example, you see a lot of photos here. We'll, we'll come to that at the end of the presentation. I'll tell you why. But um, th it's, it's actually quite interesting. And so there's a repository that can make collections, uh, subjects and learning plans and such. Um, we, we've used Facebook too, because in Uganda, Facebook is free on, uh, on Orange. Uh, mobile phones are formerly Orange. And now it's a different provider, but you know, they've taken over the network. And um, the point is, um, for us, it's, it's an extremely fast way of collaborating with the refugees in that particular scenario. UNHI exchange is not heavier in terms of the bandwidth and such, but it is uh, not yet free. And so obviously the means of communicating regularly is much higher. You know, if a refugee is at home, they can still access it. And so their response is basically instantaneous. And that's always been really good. I, I've referred about WhatsApp and Facebook being used in other projects like Bowers, for example. And I think that's, it's just a great coordination tool and, and, and rapid response tool. Um, yeah, that doesn't mean we can't have, uh, let's say, more demanding on bandwidth kind of interactions. Of, uh, we had these regular live interactions between students and refugees. Maybe Courtney, a little bit more on that from you. Um, so I think this was a nice component because uh, certainly on, on Facebook there was a very lively exchange initially with introductions and then about oh, five or six students um, started kind of individual exchanges with specific members of E20 and so that was nice. And so then this was kind of a forum that was a little more dynamic for the live exchanges to kind of continue some of that dialogue and, um, and capitalize on you know, the responses to the films, which again there was an online platform for but um, it just sort of brought another layer of, of depth and um, I, I think uh, camaraderie and cohesion to this disparate group by having these live exchanges. And as we mentioned, in some cases we Skyped in UNHCR colleagues, um, it would get quite busy, but somehow we managed, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was m mostly to them, UNHCR wasn't directly involved in the sense that they asked us to do this, we just went on and did it. Uh, which will lead, lead us to some other things too. But mm. uh, one thing I wanted to say about this is about all these systems. The interesting thing is, you know, Skype obviously is something that everybody uses, uh, and Facebook is every, something everybody uses. But even I didn't see a big difference between the students and the co-creators in Kivale in terms of their adoption. The refugees had actually been used to using UNHI Exchange with me already, and it took the students longer to, to comment on things at the beginning mm -hmm. than, the, than the refugees, but as soon as the, it became something that they familiarized with, and then when they started putting on the videos, I was personally totally like, yeah, it was, it was just amazing. As, as good or better than what we could have imagined, so it was fantastic. Um, but it's not all positive. 
and obstacles also exist and, and here is a, a major stumbling block in what we were trying to do which is the video based work obviously UNHCR gave me the mandate to train them in videography you know journalistic skills storytelling skills etc documentary filming as one of their applied skills but because of um, you know how these things were communicated last year this year we came to the office of the prime minister wanting to reduce the movement you know of the refugees in terms of where they can film if they can film if the films can be released uh, you know who they can speak with and becoming really paternalistic towards refugees so that was the OPM in, in, in Uganda at the time now I must say um, for some credit that a lot of this at a distance can become often extremely dramatic and you get first-hand reports with refugees who are extremely involved and who can speak to you all the time in this case and it creates an un before, uh, before unknown scenario where the stakeholders who are normally in the middle of that value chain are currently jumped over and they're, they're not necessarily happy about that because suddenly there's this direct link and you, if, if it becomes work that can also be critical of operations or that can actually, let's say, create a best practice dialogue, then people can become extremely defensive, understandably so to an extent, but it, it, it then took kind of, for a while, for a few weeks, it took some, some, you know, some nature which I was really not happy with. And I don't say we are not partially responsible for that because, of course, you know, we tried always to tell people about what the initiative was about but because it was such a thing that happens through the Oxford conference and we didn't have like an official mandate or anything like that, we just went and did it. You know, like with the innovation, sometimes it's like that. Uh, that's why I wanted to, you know, later show you in the discussion maybe a few ideas of how this can be resolved. But as we have time restrictions, um, I'll don't, I won't go into the solution right now. If you want to hear about that, we can talk about it. Before we go to the yeah. slide, if we could just go back, I just wanted yeah. to say one thing about this. So, so. Uh, just to add a bit onto this, students were reading, you know, a lot of policy papers, and they were very enthusiastic about the exchange with E20 and Akivali. And when this came up, that they were actually going to be prevented, the E20 group from from continued filming in response to the student questions, it was very sobering for the students mm -hmm. because you know they had, they had heard, you know, I'd worked in a number of humanitarian operations, used to be with WFP. They'd heard some of my firsthand accounts. They'd had some other sort of inputs around, you know, the aspirational policy and the reality on the ground is not always, uh, you know, sort of meshing. Mm -hmm. But this was, you know, a, a very um, unpredictable but yet uh, useful learning opportunity for the students to realize that in fact due to what I perceived as paternalistic attitudes on the part of local stakeholders including national authorities the movement restrictions that let's be clear Naki Valley is often considered as a model settlement mm -hmm. right and so we had movement restrictions there and then we also have these communications restrictions because the idea that the refugees were directly dialoguing with the University of Denver and the outside world and were representing the settlement and addressing issues and sort of producing content that could be disseminated was threatening to a number of stakeholders. Yes. And I think that that was very illuminating um, for the students. We, we, we put that into the curriculum. So essentially that led us to say, well, let's make that a seminar. And so I held on your, mm -hmm. after you asked me to a seminar with the students telling them about it. And of course I went into very, very deep and like socio-psychological discussion with refugees to mediate that, to to help them to to be patient and that we would resolve things and to be communicative and not despair and that, that really worked because now everything is fine. Uh, in fact, Kalala, at the very beginning of the project, 
he was the one who highlighted we definitely need uh, you know, permission from the office of the Prime Minister, which we responded to before the issue arose by sending on a letter, which we never got response to. And uh, But when then the word came out, instead of communicating with us directly and saying, guys, we still have some concerns, it made the rounds and people were saying, oh God, refugees, videography, because this had been established long ago with the UNHCR country office, but so, some, somebody in the value chain hadn't been involved and that created... Uh, a risk scenario which we mediated and now it's fine but still so all these restrictions have been lifted good news but um, yeah it's not about movement restrictions for refugees because in Uganda they can move wherever they want but it's about doing moving with their job out of a very small vicinity uh, or with you know doing that with ex freedom of expression and access and access yeah uh, in terms of the actual experience for the students I think yeah maybe you can read it out um, Shall, I don't know, shall I read it out, Connie, or do you want to read it out? Or? Um, well, sure, I just wanted to say, so this was not actually part of the class, you know, mm -hmm. the students took it upon themselves to actually become involved in activism yes. and collectively wrote a letter of support for E20 um, and sent to Freddie for him to then disseminate or not as appropriate, mm -hmm. but, you know, they wanted to do some advocacy. Uh, in any case, these are a couple of quotes from the students interacting with certain members of E20. It's been an important part of my experience at University of Denver. It's my hope that the restrictions upon their movement are lifted, access issues uh, modified so that they may continue to help others and allow me to better understand the life of a refugee. And then, um, here we go. Uh, again, the partnership between our class and the University of Denver in E20 has been one of the most educa educationally rewarding opportunities of my academic career, allowed our class to gain insight into a world that we would otherwise have only read about and established relationships with people who have so much valuable information to share, been a pleasure to partner with E20 group and engage in cultural and educational exchanges. Um, we also have, if we have time later in the discussion, we, we can tell you about the refugees' perspectives as well. Um, the next steps are interesting. Uh, the first two, over to you, Courtney. So um, after this kind of bottleneck, uh, by the way, we do actually provide financial compensation for, for the film, so it's a likelihood initiative. So they're, they're planning to actually produce the films that we had originally requested and will be compensated, and those will be disseminated to the class that's already now concluded, but also used in next year's class. And then we're in the process of discussing with E20 in collaboration with some of the former students that were in the course, some joint uh, participatory research initiatives that are focused on refugee post solutions to uh, six different options in terms of contemporary humanitarian challenges. I just wanted to mention that that's not the only ones. Uh, there's a third type, which is expert projects, um, where, again, they're not beneficiaries, but partners. So Eliezer here, he's uh, one of the students in the class and mm -hmm. obviously the most popular because he was formerly a refugee. So he's, uh, you can see the comments under this and that's not yeah. all the stream goes on. So they're extremely active. They love yeah. him and, uh, <laughs> mutually, it seems. And uh, it's inspired him a lot and also other students to take up this expert role. And our hope is to, as they are social entrepreneurs, to connect them. That's anyway part of the future of life uh, on UNHA Exchange uh, in an incubation type model connected um, you know experts or aspiring experts both on the ground and in humanitarian organizations and universities to actually work on projects and uh, problem solving in the camps to scale different approaches and this could be in any area of innovation in humanitarian uh, spaces so yeah that's just the beginning we're currently trying to scale that out and do work on that but obviously the students we can't we don't ask them to do it if they want to do it they, they, they can and yeah it's all based on the fact that 
these people have been trained to, to do all these different things, uh, training the trainer, so they, they're delivering courses with the University of Illinois, for example, now to other refugees uh, becoming social entrepreneurs have five different projects doing fundraising and, and such. Um, they can adapt local courses and they can create content themselves. That's it for us. Uh, we look forward to discussing any kind of ideas you may have seen as this was recorded and, and this both came out of Oxip, so why not do more? So that's it. Thanks.